0: Bible reading today is from 1 Samuel chapter 12 commencing at verse 1 Samuel's farewell address to the people Samuel said to all Israel I have listened to you in all that you have said to me and have set a king over you see it is the king who leads you now I am old and gray but my sons are with you I have led you from my youth until this day Here I am, testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me and I will restore it to you. They said, you have not defrauded us. Or oppressed us, or taken anything from the hand of anyone. He said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, He is witness. Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness, who appointed Moses and Aaron, and brought your ancestors up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore, Take your stand, so that I may enter into judgment with you before the Lord, and I will declare to you all the saving deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your ancestors. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your ancestors cried to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought forth your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, and he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of King Jabin of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. Then they cried to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Astartes, Astartes, but now rescue us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam and Barak and Jephthah and Samson and rescued you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. But when you saw the king Nahash and the Ammonites came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us. the Lord your God was your king see here is the king whom you have chosen for whom you have asked see the Lord has set a king over you if you will fear the Lord and serve him and heed his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God it will be well but if you will not heed the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore, take your stand and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. It is not the wheat; Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and you, you shall know and see that the wickedness that you have done in the sight of the Lord is great in demanding a king for yourselves. So Samuel called upon the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. All the people said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that they may not die for we have added to all our sins and the evil of demanding a king for ourselves. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet you do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside after useless things that cannot profit or save, for they are useless. For the Lord will not cast away his people, for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Hear the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. I wonder if you're a person that that thinks in pictures. When people describe things to me, I, I often can picture it exactly how it might be. If you were to say there was a, an, a covered arch over the driveway, I can see it now. I'm a, I'm a visionary picture person, so if you describe to me a horrific injury that you've experienced, I I'd probably picture it and find it quite awkward. Uh, (laughs) This morning we're we're talking about vision. Uh, Samuel was a a person of vision. He was a prophet, a a seer uh, who had a vision uh, from from God as to how the people of God will be ordered. Uh, We often have a, a vision for what life might look like Uh, for you it might be words on the paper of some of the things that you would like to achieve or head towards for for some of you it might be that you have a picture of what uh, life uh, in the future might look like uh, an ideal picture and you can imagine it uh, in your in your mind as you think and dream Uh, samuel as, as a prophet was someone who carried the the dreams and pictures the vision of god for the people of god Uh, I wonder if you've ever really thought of that, that uh, as much as we have a vision for our life, God has a, a, a picture of what each of our lives could look like uh, fully lived in partnership with Him. Here's a picture of what us thriving in the future looks like. Uh, Samuel had that picture for the people of God, and he carried that. Uh, he was uh, someone that heard from God. You would have heard Kirsty speak about him in his call with Eli, uh, as he was called into ministry, offered by his mum in the service of God. He he grew up and was appointed as a leader. He was a Levite. That means he was a priest in, in the church. Uh, or the community of God in Israel. He was a priest. Uh, he was a prophet. That means he spoke on behalf of God to the people. Uh, he was one of the judges. Uh, when uh, the the duty of leadership was too great, uh, God enabled judges to stand up amongst the people Uh, who were able to discern between what was right and what was wrong and lead the people in the way of justice. So that Samuel was one of the judges. He he was a great leader in the history of the people of God. If you want to turn to your Bible on page 221, 222, uh, we're looking at 1 Samuel 12 this morning. It's titled Samuel's Farewell Address. Uh, The passage that we look at this morning is in a pivotal point in Israel's history. Uh, Up until this point, uh, Israel has been led by the judges. Uh, They were brought out of Egypt by God and they've been led by the judges. And the people have asked for a king and Samuel has uh, found the king of, of God's choice, anointed him... And he's preparing his farewell address. He's stepping back from leadership uh, in order to let Saul step up and take that place of priority in leading the people of God. Now, Samuel had a number of sons, and his sons... didn't have as much integrity as he did. Uh, they were appointed as judges and no doubt uh, without integrity. They took bribes. They, they led the people astray. Uh, they weren't as faithful to God as Samuel was. And so Samuel, as he begins his address in 1 Samuel 12, uh, says, I have listened to you in all that you have said and have set a king over you. Uh, Cedar is the king who leads you now. And then he puts forth a case for his I- I- integrity. He says, uh, here I am, testify against me before the Lord and before he's anointed. Uh, whose ox have I taken? Uh, whose donkey have I taken? So he hasn't used his power to take from other people uh, what is theirs. Uh, who have I defrauded? He hasn't used his power to uh, covertly take from people uh, what was theirs. Uh, who have I oppressed? He hasn't used his power to push down Others, Uh, uh, whose hand have I taken a bribe from? He hasn't been persuaded uh, by the wealth of others to make choices in their favor as he sought to judge between what was good, what was of God, and what was evil, what was not of God. Uh, And he says, testify against me Verse at the end of verse 3, and I will restore it to you. Uh, They said uh, their response to Samuel saying of his integrity was, uh, well, you you have not defrauded us, or oppressed us, or taken anything from the hands of anyone, and so Samuel calls uh, the Lord as his witness and uh, says, uh, "You've not found anything in my hand." And they say, "He is a witness." So Samuel says, I, "I've had integrity as a, as a leader, uh, even though maybe my sons have not," uh, and they have said, "Yes." This is true. Uh, Then uh, what what we see here, verse 6 through to 11, is we see the integrity of God. So Samuel builds a case. He's built a case for his integrity as a leader. And now he builds a case for the integrity of God as their king. Uh, Samuel says to the people, The Lord is the witness who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your ancestors up out of the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, take your stand so that I may enter into judgment with you before the Lord. And I will declare to you all the saving deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and your ancestors. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your ancestor cried to the Lord and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought forth your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. So we see the faithfulness in God, the God who delivers people from slavery, the one who sets captives free, the one who comes to those who have nothing and are oppressed by leadership and takes them out from that place of oppression in order that they may be led by him. And, but then we, we, we see the, the pattern of the Old Testament, verse 9, but they, but they forgot the Lord their God. And he sold them into the hand of King Sisera, commander of the army of Jabin of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, into the hand of the king of Moab. Uh, so that the people, God showed his faithfulness, set the people free. The people forgot. That's kind of the pattern of the Old Testament. God is faithful. The people forget. Uh, the, God withdraws his hand of protection. The people end up in a place that they don't like. And then what we see is verse 10. They cry out to him. Uh, and the Lord and they say to the Lord we've sinned because we've forsaken you we've served Baals that is false gods statues uh, the gods of other nations and made gods for ourselves. Uh, but now rescue us. So this pattern, uh, God shows his faithfulness. Uh, the, the people turn away from the faithfulness of God. Uh, God withdraws his hand of protection. The people experience the, the fruit of their decisions. Uh, they return to God because life is difficult apart from God. They cry out to him and God rescues them ag- again from this place. of have been stuck enslaved through this service towards the, the enemies on the other side. And, and so then we see the Lord again says sends Jerubbaal and Barak and Jephthah and Sampton, Samson and and rescues you from the hand of your enemies on every side and you lived in safety. Uh, so the integrity of God is the one who pursues the people that even abandon him in order to establish them in, in a place of security under his leadership. And then what what we see uh, verses twelve to fifteen is the the desire of the people Uh, but when you saw king nahash of the ammonites come against you you said no but a king shall reign over us uh, through the lord your god though the lord your god was a king see the the people saw king nahash they saw his army they saw his power they saw the way that he was able to lead his people into victory and they said well maybe the problem maybe the reason why we keep going through this cycle of turning away from God is we we need a visible king yes God may be our king but we need a king we need an army like all the rest of these nations and then maybe we'll we'll break out of this cycle And, and so uh When they saw this guy, see, here is a king who you have chosen, uh, God says, uh, of Saul, for whom you have asked. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and heed his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not heed the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. See, they've looked at Samuel, leader with great integrity. His sons, not so good, uh, have betrayed them, maybe oppressed them, uh, robbed them. Uh, They've seen maybe that system doesn't work. I think the king's system will work. And God says, well, if you and your king... Do what I've told you to do, life will go well. It was the same system as before. If you do what I command you to do, and your judges do what uh, is commanded to them, then life will go well. So for them, at one at one level, things hadn't changed so much. If you obey God, life goes well. Uh, if they now obey God and their king obeys God, life is going to go well, God says. And and so we, we see the desire of the people, uh, even though it was not the intent of God, uh, was given to God's people. Uh, but what we see in the middle of this is actually the the evil of the people. If you follow along, verse 16 and 17. Uh, now, therefore, take your stand and see this is a great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat? harvest today, I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain and you shall know and see that the wickedness you have done in the sight of the Lord is great in demanding a king for yourselves. So Samuel called upon the Lord and the Lord said thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Samuel has declared his integrity. He's declared uh, God's integrity. talked about the desire of the people and now he said actually your desire for a king even though you had a king in God is evil the people were not meant to have a king over them other than God but God in kindness to them gave them of what they wanted and said if your king follows well and you follow well then it will go well but he still said Your desire is evil. And then Samuel calls as witness the thunder and the rain. And this must not have been just any thunder and rain because the people greatly feared as a result of Samuel calling out and the thunder and the rain coming that day in response to the call of Samuel. Imagine you as a people gathered out in the open. It's all blue skies. And suddenly the skies shift and the thunders start and the rain starts. And the the people in their hearts would have felt deep conviction that even though they were getting what they want, they'd actually done evil in the sight of God. And yet we see in the middle of this the mercy of God to give them what they want, uh, to actually give them to their desire and say god uh, he he, god himself will be faithful to them even though they desired evil Uh, so continuing on from verse 19 we see the mercy of god samuel says pray to the lord your god for your servants so that we may not die for we've added to all of our sins the evil of demanding a king for ourselves and samuel says to the people uh, do not be afraid You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn aside after useless things that cannot profit or save, for they are useless. For the Lord will not cast away his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. So what we see in the middle of the, the evil of the people is actually the mercy of God, that he will give them a king and even though they have chosen what was evil, make life work for them under a king. Now, the the story of Saul, if if you even look at the, the, the title of the next chapter, Saul's, Saul's Unlawful Sacrifice, the story of Saul is he, he wasn't the greatest of kings. He was better than some. Uh, he was not the greatest of kings. And, and as much as they desired life to go well for them under a king, Life didn't go well for them under the king. And the rest of the story of the Old Testament is the story about the people of God being called back to the ways of God and the people of God rebelling from the ways of God and the people of God eventually living life abandoned uh, in exile, away from being a people called by God, loved by God. And so into this scene... Uh, That's where Jesus enters. In the kingly line of David comes Jesus, born of Mary, God in flesh, God taken on human flesh. Jesus comes and lives the perfect life, points people to the one true king, seeks to restore the kingdom of God on earth, then dies to deal with the wrongdoing that would separate us from our One true king, God, is buried, raised from the dead and ascends to take his kingly throne and then sends his spirit so that we would live in relationship with our king. You see, as Christians, we're designed to live under a king. We're designed to live under the leadership of one. And so the role of, of, of everyone uh, today is in some ways the, the role of everyone back then, to, to actually live faithfully, uh, to, to not be afraid, uh, even though we do evil, but to turn, as, uh, turn towards God, to turn aside from following other things, to serve God with all of our heart. Don't turn aside to useless things, turn to the one true God. We're reminded uh, that the Lord doesn't cast away his people, uh, but he he actually loves us and he treasures us. We are the treasure of his heart. Verse 24, fear the Lord, it says. Serve him faithfully with all of your heart, for consider the great things he's done for you. So that's the, the, the role of everyone, the call of us as the people of God to respond to, to God and his faithfulness towards us and be faithful in response. Uh, the role of leadership in the middle of that is verse 23. So so Samuel says, uh, Far be it from me that I should uh, sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. So the role of, of a leader, uh, a parish council member, any uh, person in leadership in a community of God is to uh, pray uh, for the people of God, and also instruct in, in the good and, and right way of, the God, of, of God. And so we, we find the role of everyone, faithfulness towards God, the role of leaders to, to lead people into faithfulness and to pray for them. So, so what are some lessons in here for us today? Uh, who is our king? Uh, Jesus is our king. God is our king. Uh, do we need an earthly king? Not at all. <laughs> does God give us earthly leaders? Uh, yes. Uh, what kind of earthly leaders God does God bless? Uh, leaders who lead people to wholeheartedly serve him. Leaders that lead him, uh, lead his people uh, in their ways. Uh, but who is our king? It's God. What was God's design for, for leadership Uh, How did he design it to be structured? Well, God's design was the judges. There will be people who were appointed into a position of leadership that would enable uh, the people to walk in relationship with each other and relationship with God in order to discern what was good and what was evil. What's the sign of Christian maturity that Hebrews talks about? It talks about how those who are mature have learned, uh, they've moved on from milk, that is the, the good news of God's grace, and they've learned to discern between what is good and evil. And so God's system of leadership was those who have grown immaturity uh, been in a place of discernment above others in order to, to lead them. And what we see uh, is actually... One person doing all the leading is not God's model because there is one king. We gather as one people in one spirit with one baptism, one faith, one God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, one king. So we share in a faith together. Our leadership, the New Testament talks about, is about apostles, prophets. Uh, Pastors, teachers, evangelists, those who are gifted to lead God's people in particular ways. Uh, So in many ways, uh, we sit in the Anglican Church in a historical structure that is hierarchical. But what we're actually designed for is a plurality, I couldn't say this word at 9am, of leaders with different gifts that are called together by God, to express their gifts in community in order to lead the people of God in faithfulness. I stand before you this morning and say, I don't have all the gifts. <laughs> I'm really happy about that. Uh, and I love celebrating other people stepping up and using their gifts because that's the way we were designed as God's people to work uh, where do I today find mercy? In Jesus, uh, that God will restore to me no matter how far I stray, uh, the position of intimacy with him, no matter what I've done, in order that in that place of connection with him, being in relationship with him, I, you and I thrive in life. That's where we find mercy today, in Jesus' mercy which is good news for us Uh, when we experience fear and and we're worried about the retribution we might experience because we have not done the right thing by leaders uh, we often run fear causes us to run because we're not sure that they will uh, look kindly towards us but mercy god's grace enables us to run to him instead of away from him Uh, shame often causes us to hide from god and that's the story of the people of god that they actually hid from him even though they had done the wrong thing and they knew god was faithful to restore them to him that they would hide from him but actually jesus deals with shame that there will be no shame in his presence because he has dealt with all sin and that we are white as snow before him so that way we are enabled as the people of god to live in relationship with each other, and God without fear or shame, confident that actually God wants the best for us as his people. So in the context of that, we're going to talk really briefly about uh, where we're continuing as as a church. And I, I want you to take some of those thoughts as context for this continuing conversation about uh, God's vision for us as his people. I've said to you many times that I'm not going to be a tour guide on the bus. And so one of the reasons why we talk about vision together is it's something that we need to hold together. So Kirsty's going to give you a little handout. And this is really us on 1A5 page. Uh, our, Our mission is not new, it's not original. It's the same mission that Jesus put in place when he started the church, to, to make disciples, to mature disciples, to mobilize fully formed disciples uh, that follow him. Uh, our mission is, is not uh, unique. And at one level, uh, our vision, what the future might look like for us, is not unique. It, it should be, as God's church Uh, A bunch of people continuing Jesus' mission. So our vision, our mission uh, is to make mature and mobilize, fully formed disciples of Jesus. And our our vision, so as we consider life for us as a church beyond 150, is about continuing Jesus' mission. Now, if we were to think about what this would look like, what fruit might this produce as we uh, grow as disciples and as we reach out that others may discover the faithfulness and love of God and live under it. Uh, for this, by 2026, we're saying we will be a community of 100 people gathered around discipleship and mission. Uh, I, I think this is a, a, a small uh, number, a small vision. Uh, you, you, I'm interested in numbers, but I'm not driven towards numbers. So as a parish council, we look at numbers uh, each month just to keep track of where we're going. As I looked at the numbers of where we sit in terms of average attendance, this month I, I was really discouraged for a second. I, I looked and saw between reporting the figures last month and reporting the figures this month, we'd dropped uh, at our combined services by by an average of 10, and we'd dropped it at our 10th it. service by an average of 10. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, this is is terrible. I wonder what we did last year. And I looked and last year our average of 10 was 10 below our average this year. So even though we drop at this time of the year because, you know, people get sick, people escape the cold, uh, people sometimes make that choice to stay indoors we've actually over the last year on average for this time of year where we sink a little bit lower, grown by 10 on average, which is to me really encouraging that that God is doing that growing work uh, among us. So uh, it's not an unreasonable uh, vision that in in 2026 we'll be a people of roughly 100. Why would we want to look like that? What it means is more people sharing the load of us being the church Uh, Sundays get easier because we have more people on music. One of the the groups of people within our church that do carry a a significant load and over the last months have been putting lots of work into practicing and preparing for us as a church is our music team. They put heaps of time into that. And I'm really thankful for that because that really helps us when we have uh, live musicians who help us to celebrate and worship God. The more people we have, the more manageable church on Sunday becomes, the more time we actually have to do the whole of God's mission for us, that is maturing disciples, uh, reaching and making other disciples. So that's one of the reasons this number of a hundred's roughly there. It's not a magic number, but it's a number that means that we can more easily do kids' ministry, uh, youth ministry, music ministry, it's a sustainable number for us as a church. So that's that's why that number is there. I, I don't care at one level at numbers. It, it, my heart will be that we would burst through that number. Uh, our values are what drives us towards mission and vision. So the values are up on the screen. You have them on your paper. Uh, I've made a couple of tweaks uh, in consultation with our parish council to just bring some things in that were missing. Uh, Prayer wasn't on there. Uh, And uh, if we want to see our vision happen, prayer needs to be an important part of it. So uh, the first value is around worship, that we pursue the presence of God in our worship and prayer together as we embrace all he has for us in our relationship with him. Our family. So we're a church where everyone belongs because we're united as a family in Jesus so we faithfully seek to welcome, include, love, and honor all. Uh, what that means is that we, we care well for all of those in our community. We do things uh, like we, we, we care well for the, the people at Favisham House. Uh, that's the, some of the ways that our, our values play out. Discipleship. We're called to follow Jesus as our model of maturity, we call unbelievers and each other to follow him wholeheartedly. Our word, uh, we invite God to continually convert us to his ways through his word. That means the Bible is important, that we should be reading it and transformed by it, uh, but it's also his spirit. So, through his word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, witness, uh, we live our commission to bear witness through the words of. Through our words and works to Jesus and his kingdom. That is where our mission flows from. And then devotion. And I think this is something we do well. Our devotion is expressed through extravagant love, humble service and radical generosity. We we talked about these values probably about May, June, last year if you wanted to refresh. Uh, They're things that we'll continue to talk about as we seek to grow in them and live them out as a church. So... This is really us as a church, where we're at on one page over the next uh, few years. Uh, Flip over the page. uh, We're we're looking at some goals uh, around uh, mission to start with and then discipleship and Sundays. I've put one goal. I've tried to keep it simple here. Uh, Part of the one-page idea is I want all of us to have clarity so that I'm not just the person driving the bus and you're along for the ride. You actually know what we're about and what we're doing. So mission, in mission we're seeking to grow and inviting people in support of our key outreach gatherings. So conversation class, special Sundays, so Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, Easter and other things. Uh, we run coffee outings, trivia nights with the aim of at least 10% visitors and outreach gatherings. That, that means we're actually doing that work of reaching out. What does that mean for us here uh, this morning? It means if you look around and you see 10 people, uh, nine of them have invited someone and they said no, and one person's invited them and they've said yes. That, that's, that's what it looks like. Uh, it doesn't look like 10% of all outreach gatherings be non-Christians. It, it looks like we're actually reaching out. We're looking outside these walls and seeking to spread the love Uh, of God that we know and inviting people to experience it as well. So uh, what that might look like is when we go out for coffee and there's 10 people, there's one person that's never joined us for coffee because we want them to uh, enjoy what we already already enjoy ourselves. Uh, There's a bunch of goals around maturity, Uh, so increasing participation and confidence in prayer uh, increasing participation in gatherings that help us to grow as Christians, like the, the Bible overview and uh, activities such as that. Uh, strengthening uh lay leadership, so uh, meeting that there is that uh, group of leaders who are sharing uh, that, their gifts with other people in order to lead us all in maturity. Uh, knowing and uh, using our gifts so that is each person knowing what they're gifted at by God and and able to use that and beginning to bless us by using what God has given them. Uh, Youth gatherings each term, recognizing that we, we need to hit across different demographics in order to disciple, and, and that's an area because uh, we have a bunch of people step into that youth space and already in that youth space that, that we need to encourage as disciples. Uh, so what does that look like on a Sunday? It, it looks like for 9 a.m., uh, growing to be about 20-plus regulars. Uh, so this is the, the number of 100. This is what it looks like. Uh, for them, they're rock solid through the year. There's no dips, there's no turns. It's 14 and a half. I don't know who's the half. Uh, Maybe that's me. (laughs) 14 and a half uh, every Sunday. So that's growing by roughly five. Uh, For us at 10.30, uh, that would look like uh, 60 plus regulars. Uh, And what does that look like compared to average in the majority of years and not the dip through winter? We're about 45 at the moment. Uh, so that's not, a, that's not a huge ask, uh, but part of it is as we grow in numbers, as I talked about, we can do more live music. Uh, so aiming for Sunday school and live music on three out of four Sundays uh, and recognizing, you know, we, we don't have to do music and uh, Sunday school every Sunday, but, but actually we really enjoy it live. And so this is something we're working towards. So what's our, our ask What am I asking of uh, each of you to consider this? Where is God calling each of us to join in with what we are doing together? Has God gifted me particularly that I might be a blessing to other people? Now, you may not feel confident in that. You may not know that yet. But my hope and prayer is over the next year, uh, we discover that and begin to put that into practice. At the end of the day, to me, 20 plus, 60 plus, 100 plus doesn't make a difference for me. Uh, At a deep level, uh, I love seeing people grow in faith as Christians. I, I don't think we ever stop growing in faith, whether you're young or old. There's so much room to grow as a Christian. And as you grow, as we grow, our hearts are more full And when our hearts are more full, we actually overflow into the lives of others. And I I love that picture of lives overflowing. And, And so my heart for you is that you would live a life that is so full that it overflows into other people's lives. And that our church will be so full that it would overflow in mission to the lives of people that don't know that fullness that comes from knowing God. So this is us on one page. Uh, I wanted to see if there was any questions. Good, that means it's clear enough. Uh, I would love you to be praying about that and thinking, where do I fit? How's God calling me to be a part of what we're doing here? And if you want to chat about it uh, with Kirsty or I or any of the parish council members, we, we'd love to hear for you. Let me pray for us as a church. Lord God, thank you uh, that you love us. Uh, Thank you for your your continuing uh, kindness towards us in Jesus. Thank you that even when we we stray, even when we don't give you the the attention you're worthy of as our King, uh, thank you that in mercy you continue to call us back. Uh, You continue to give us opportunities to find a restored relationship with you. So, Lord, in your grace and your mercy and your, your love for us, uh, help us to hear your call on us clearly. Help us with boldness to grow up in how you've gifted us. And help us to be people full of your spirit, overflowing with those gifts uh, to each other and the community beyond. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.